1 Timothy chapter 4, um, 6 through 16. And I, I, as I've been going through Timothy, I think this is the heart of the, of the text. I, I, I would oftentimes you see key verses people look for, and I think this portion of this book is right here. I think this is the whole meaning that Paul is conveying for us. So if you would, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll get started. My Father, my God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I've come before you. I can boldly come because of what Christ has done, but we don't come boldly of our own, as humble as we know how. We thank you for the opportunity to come and learn from you and to worship you and just enjoy you. And Father, I thank you for that privilege. And I pray now, Father, for this church family that you would speak to us, that you would remove any of my thoughts or ideas and any of my rhetoric and make it all yours. And for your people, Father, you would open their ears to what you would have. Father, they could come away encouraged, strengthened to walk through this world. Father, that's what we need here today. Father, we, our nation, struggles. I believe it's a, a nation that is so far removed from you that we don't know that. Father, and there's such turmoil even in our local community. People are struggling. They have loved ones in the hospital. They have loved ones hurting mentally and physically. I think all of us have some struggle going on. Father, I just ask for your hand of grace in our lives. And I pray, Father, that you remind us today just how awesome you really are. That you equip us again. We love you, Father, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you silence all phones and electronic devices during the remainder of this flight? No, just... <laughs> I'm just picking. Um, as we went through 1 Timothy last week, we spent some time talking about elders and deacons and, and all of that. But as we get here in, in, in chapter 4, as I said, I think chapter 4, 6 through 16 kind of focuses on on what the intent of the letter was about, what, what Paul is really wanting Timothy to know and understand, and I think by extension, what we should know and understand. Uh, scripture always means then and there. It always means what it means to that first century uh, hearers of the word. It means what the writer intended to mean for that first century, and then from there it works by extension to us. And so uh, we start with that, as always. And and. I think there's two profound verses that stand out here, and I wrote these as my keys to the entire book. And the first one is verse 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. And so we see Paul's instructing Timothy on a way in which he's to live his life as a minister. And then in verse 16, he concludes this portion of it by saying, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both your, yourself and those who hear you. And I cannot think of two more powerful statements that are being mentioned in this book. Uh, we spend, I, I, I have countless commentaries on my shelves in there about this book. And there's countless commentaries that want to delve into deacons and elders and, and what this means and what that means. But there's very little on this one, these two points I've noticed. And I, and I can't get past the fact that if we're going to be, if, 
me and, and Josh and any of you men who consider yourselves in this role, any women who are ministering according to the Word of God, when we think about this, we have to be reminded of what's really the issue here for us, what's really important. If we're honest, we, we get caught up in so many things, uh, especially in light of what's going on in our, in our culture and currently, you know. Um, COVID is real. I mean, it's real. We've lost loved ones, we know. We have others that are right, seem to be on the verge. And so it, it's a thing that's going on, but it's not the only thing. I looked up this morning, just out of curiosity, I looked up the uh, national debt clock. You know we have a national debt clock? Man, it spins fast. Right now it's at $28 trillion. It just jumped a, me, a, a million dollars in, in the time I talked. It just went up that fast. And it, most of it's unfunded liabilities that you and I have funded through our Social Security payments. We, the national debt, 78% is owed to Social Security and other uh, funding like that. So you own most of the national debt. Isn't that good news? Problem is you've loaned it to a deadbeat. <laughs> and they probably aren't going to pay you back. <laughs> and I say that to say, you know, it's so easy to look at all these things and go, somehow these things are going to deliver me. You know, I, 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 I recently watched on NBC Nightly News, and I know that's probably, you know, whatever you want to think about it. But they said that part of the reason for the, the Delta variant is that it was untreated in Europe and South America. I don't know how it got to America then, but it was untreated in, in Europe and South America, so that was part of the reason it's here. So we start to think things that will fix our lives, is my point in all this. We really do think that if I get a wall built, that'll help. Or if I really do get the right politician, that'll help. Or if I get the right whatever. I get the right doctor, the right teacher, the right preacher. That'll fix it. And Paul's reminding Timothy, no. Those things aren't. They're not, they're not necessary to the kingdom. You know how many governments been in place since Jesus ascended? I don't even know the total. There's been so many. You know how many people have come along and said they were somebody only to be drifted away? Countless people have risen up claiming to be something only to find out they were nothing in the grand scheme of things. Even Gamaliel understood that, talking about Peter and John. He said, if they're of God, you're fighting against God, and if they're not, it, they'll go away. And so the reason I, I say all this is to say I, I, I understand fear and concern. I understand these things. I, I, I think those things too. I look at my life, and I look at the future, and I go, How, you know, I, I don't even think there's going to be any Social Security. Sonia found out she could start collecting from Nationwide from back when she worked there. I said, get the check. <laughs> All $251, send it to the house. That'll pay an electric bill here soon. <laughs> you know, but those things, they don't. They don't go. We can do all sorts of things, but what we see here, Paul is reminding them of something. He's reminding Timothy of something that really is life-changing, really does make the difference. Because when the truth is, and we all know this, all men are appointed to die and then the judgment. The death rate among humans is 100%. Everybody dies. Now, we all hope to pass away like Moses and my natural strength not be abated and I can pass at ripe old age. We hope to pass away in our sleep as so many have done, but that's not always the case. I certainly don't want to die from COVID. 
I really want to die ripe old man seeing my children's 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 children. Seeing how the genes turned out. Seeing where, the, seeing where that Barber Thomas Caudill Grimm stuff showed up. <laughs> Through the... <laughs> And see how it all worked out. Seeing how that corner gets sh shaken out in there. Seeing how it happens. But you know, you won't see any of that apart from one truth. And that truth is Jesus Christ. That is the only truth there is. Everything else is, might be your truth. I mean, that's part of what the culture problem is today. We have a postmodern relativism where my truth is my truth, and it doesn't matter whether it's your truth or not. If I feel like a, you know, a, a, a flying spaghetti monster today, I am. If I want to be a girl tomorrow, I am. If I want to be whatever I want to be, my truth is my truth, and that's it. But there's only one truth, and that truth is Jesus Christ. And Paul is reminding Timothy that that's what you need to be about. Because the rest of this stuff will burn up with His appearing. Even the Antichrist in 2 Thessalonians is consumed by the brightness of God's appearing. And we can have long debates about when He's coming and what He's there and if He's here now and anything else, but the fact, here's the good news on that. When Jesus shows up, He disappears. He's utterly consumed. And everything else that we've trusted in apart from Jesus Christ will also be consumed. Because the question becomes, what have we built with? Have we built with uh, gold, silver, and precious stones? Or have we built with wood, hay, and stubble? Because in His appearing, gold, silver, and precious stones remain. They survive the fire. But the rest of it gets consumed. And we live in a world today that seems to just be on fire. You know, it's, how ironic is it that California's burning down and we're getting grounded? If we could pump some water from Dixie County, we'd need to pump it to California, right? If we could bring some fire, we'd bring it back here and dry it up a little bit, right? And again, these things are of no value in the grand scheme. Paul said, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. So the question becomes, brethren, what are these good things? What are these things that he has nourished them in? Well, I submit to you that he, made it, he reminded them of some truths. Paul writes to Timothy over and over again in this book. He starts out with a principle of the commandment back in 1 Timothy 1.5. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Paul reminds Timothy that the reason that I'm giving you these commandments, the reason that I have laid hands on you so that we would see your calling, the reason I'm giving you instruction about appointing elders and deacons in here, the reason for this is because this commandment is out of charity. Fancy word for saying love. The reason for all of this is because God so graciously loved us from eternity past. I heard Josh was teaching on covenant in, in Sunday school. I can tell you this much about it. God loved you long before you loved Him. His love is a part of who He is. He loved from eternity past. He loved so much that according to Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, He gave, He crucified His own Son. From the foundation of the world. Think about that a minute. He killed his son from the foundation of the world. I don't know what you think about a construction, but when I think of foundation, we're talking very early in the project. Foundations are early in the project. That's right after breaking ground. That's like right after going, let there be light. I don't know when eternity passed he said it, but he did. 
And why would he kill his own son? But for a covenant people that he had arranged for. People he was going to deliver. A people that he loved. He loved them so much that he gave them life. Gave them a simple command. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But like we discussed earlier, temptation was greater than the fear of God. And they gave into it and they failed and were kicked out. And then we see a few chapters later where he establishes the covenant with Abraham and from there he proceeds to develop his people. And by the time we get to Exodus, we see a people that need a law so they know how to act. And all they did with that law is found out they were guilty. And they found out they broke that covenant. And the whole time he's promising, I'm sending my son. Because I love you. I'm going to fix your issue. I'm going to change you. This is the covenant truth that God wants for us. This is what Paul is saying here, brethren, instruct them in this. Then you'll be a good minister. And that applies to all of us, not only the men who are standing here, the men who are ordained, but all the men and women of the gospel kingdom. If, we, if we're going to be good ministers, then we only have one truth that we need to proclaim, and that truth is Jesus Christ. The reason I was talking to Miss Tammy, who's teaching high school English, and we were just discussing that, the reason she's teaching high school English is not so they can speak well, so that they understand the Word of God so they can know the truth. And it's the truth of God that sets us free. Because everything else will pass away. We can read all the books in the world and know all that there is to know. We can have all of them and still pass at the end of this life. And without Jesus Christ, you will perish and you will be everlasting in the lake of fire with the devil and his angels. And I don't mean to be scary, but be get scared. That's the truth of his word. And so we remind him of what the truth is. This is what Paul's saying here to Timothy. Timothy, this, you will be a, minister, a good minister of the gospel if you remind them of these truths. His entire book is built on that. Establishing elders and deacons is so that they will be reminded, the people, which includes the elders and deacons, will be reminded of what is necessary for life and godliness, the Word of God. He gives them instructions throughout the book so they'll know what is right, what is good, what is true. Because the world is full of chaos and lies and, and, and innuendos and leading us astray and taking us somewhere other than the things of God. That's what the world does. That's its purpose and intent is to take us away from the one truth. And we have to be reminded. I don't know about you, but I need regular reminding. It's, we've had a fun time with Proverbs chapter 30, verse 2, but you ought to go back and read it in the English Standard Version where it simply says, the, song, the proverb writer says, I'm too stupid to be a man. That's the English, the English version translation. I'm too stupid to be the kind of man that God would have me to be apart from God being the man for me. I can't even be what I'm commanded to be. You know, the Old Testament tells us to uh, hide His word in our heart that we may not sin against God. How's that working out for you? Terrible. That's why Jesus decided to write it on your heart, His word. You and I couldn't even hide it. God had to write it there for us. So we're reminded of these things. He's simply saying, if you instruct the brethren, those who have been born again, those who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and have put everything that they know and understand on who He is and what He's done. And can I just say, not perfectly? How many of you got all the Bible figured out? You know every detail? Don't have to worry about it. Well, good. You're in a good crowd then. But everything I do know and I do understand, I rightly trust Him in. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm saying. Everything that there is, I'm trusting Him to, to do. I know that I cannot enter heaven apart from Him. I trust Him. I know that I can't get my sins forgiven on anything that I do. I trust Him. My blood won't wash anything away. His does. 
and I trust Him. His eternal promises of coming again and receiving me to, my, to Himself, I'm trusting Him because I can't go where He's at. How many of us can get to heaven? Let me ask you this. How many of you even know where it's at? The truth is you can't get there from here. You heard that old joke, right? You know, guy's trying to get instruction. Finally, the man tells him, you can't get there from here. you got to go somewhere else to get there. Well, that somewhere else is Jesus Christ. That's the only way to get there. So I'm trusting him. And, I just, and Paul saying, Timothy, remind him of these things. Instruct the brethren in these things. You will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. So we see that there are two things that nourish the sheep and nourish people and nourish God's family. The Word of God and the teaching of that Word. The Word of God and the teaching of it. When you start talking about teaching God's doctrine, that's when people start to bail out. I heard, I heard somebody say one time, doctrine divides. Yeah, it does. Because when you start teaching the Word of God, you start getting revealed and you either repent or you turn away. When Jesus told him, said, Lest you eat my body and drink my blood, you will have no part with me. The multitude who had been following him for the bread, John 6, 66, by the way. I love that. <laughs> 666, I'm just throwing that out there. John 6, 66 says they turned and followed him no more. Because that doctrine was too much. See, you know, theology is how we study God. That's what theology is. It's the study of God. Doctrine then becomes what we teach about what we've studied about God. Religion becomes the practice of our doctrine, of our study of God. So he's saying to us here that the Word of God is what's necessary for you to have life and godliness. That's the thing that needs to be constantly instructed. We can have great times. We can talk about all kinds of things. We can do all kinds of things. We can have wonderful conversations. That, you know, I... Uh, Last night we, we got at a brother's house, we got to talking about movies and, and, having, and just laughing at that and having some fun with that. But in the grand scheme of things, the Word of God is the only thing. Knowing who starred in what doesn't save you. Knowing who starred in a, you know, your favorite picture doesn't get it. Only the Word of God is what nourishes you. And I don't know about you, but in this world out there, every time I walk out the door, I feel the world sucking the life out of me. I feel everything that's going on just drawing me down. By the end of the day, I'm like, <laughs> not just the physical heat and, and, and struggle that goes on for many of you, especially you men who have, and women who have to work in that daily, but the mental and the spiritual drain that comes from going out there and constantly being bombarded by the world that is just opposed to everything that is of God. Just as your, your mama would tell you, eat a good breakfast before you go out. How ironic is we're completely opposite of that, right? When I was in my most unhealthy physical state is when I didn't eat breakfast, I barely ate lunch, and then I'd come home and consume everything there was and go to bed. Anybody do that? I'm the only one that does that? Right. But when I flip it around and eat a good breakfast and start to lighten up, by the time I get to the evening, I'm kind of I'm down and I'm not having a lot. And my, and I, my, my blood pressure gets better and my weight gets less, and I generally just feel better. Right? Well, the, you need to be nourished, but the thing you need to nourish on is the Word of God, and we do that in a few ways. First of all, we do that by reading the Word of God. I would encourage you to simply pick a book and read it first. Most of us jump on a book and go, oh, i got to study this. I would encourage you to simply read the book. Read the whole book, whatever it is, whatever book you've picked out of the New or Old Testament, read it. 
Don't read it to go, I'm going to try to study it and learn it every page right now. I'm going to read the book. And then once you've read it, and then you go back through and start to make some highlights on some certain areas, the things that strike you, like maybe the sovereignty of God and how that shows up. Or how many times God is mentioned in the first person. How many times He's speaking. How many times you see the Spirit speaking. Look through it. Look through and try to figure out who the protagonist is in the story. Who, who is God working through? What's the motive behind it? You do it that way and then go back and consider the grammar. That's why we teach English, so we can read the grammar in this book and know what it's being said and know what's, who's the active and where the verb's at and who's being applied and how it's supposed to be done. D do those things. And then maybe just get you a, 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 a concordance and start looking up those cross-references and looking up those words. Because you know what I found out? Sometimes these words don't mean what you think they mean. They mean what God meant them to mean. But you and I got different understandings for words. You know, I, I, was, I was sharing earlier, I, I, I think I have this right. Y'all go check this on, on me. But at, during the Middle Ages, the, the, for our educated men of that age, the word count was 20,000. Could you imagine having a 20,000 vocabulary word count? Now we got to go, you know, LOL. That's our word count. We can't communicate. Josh did a skit a few years ago at one of our uh, Valentine's banquet. It was the Three Little Pigs by the, the, the English, uh, used the English version. Remember that? And it, it had all the words that the guy used. We were like, wow, listen to all that, right? It was amazing, you know? Um, Mail, you know, when you start talking about a maelstrom, what? That's a storm. Some of y'all knew, some of y'all like, what? I had to go, what? <laughs> but so do that. Learn, read the Word. Be nourished by it. Desire, the Scripture says, the, the sincere milk of the Word where you might do what? Grow. Start going after this. And Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, if you're going to be a good minister, nourish them in that. Provide the Word of God at the table. Man, we get caught trying to provide so many things. So many things. Because we're fleshly and our flesh likes all those things. That's why, that's why, that's why the popular... That's why some of the, the religious teachers of the day are so popular. Not because they're truly offering the Word of God, but because they're offering popcorn. Candy. Everybody likes a sugar rush. Right? It's like ether on a motor. It'll crank it, but it might blow it up. And so, but real word, man, sometimes that's just meat and potatoes. It's just, you know, green beans, corn, a biscuit with some gravy. Now, some of y'all getting excited now. I've seen that. Yeah. All right. That's two eggs and some sausage. You know? Every day. You ever serve breakfast to your children only to have them go, I'm so tired of this. We got anything else? Oh, my, Sonia had a rule. Don't eat it. There's nothing else. <laughs> but see, that's what the Word of God is. It has to be consumed daily, ongoing, and it has to be laid out. Paul is charging Timothy, who's going to charge this church in Ephesus, and by extension charge all of us, that we lay out the Word of God. Because that's how a person is nourished. He says, you, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith. And here's the key to this thing. Because when we leave here today, right now it's easy to be faithful. It's easy for us to say we have faith. It's easy for us to rejoice and be all those things. But tomorrow, 
when you're back at work and they're pressing you about how you should act with COVID and they're pressing you about what you should do with illegal immigrants and they're pressing you about what you should do in Democrat vote or Republican vote and they're pressing you about your Social Security and they're pressing you about your business and they're pressing you about meeting the requirements that go along with owning a small business and they're pressing you and they're pressing you and they keep pressing you, then is when I need faith. That's when I need it. Because i got to tell you, it's easy to be faithful right here. It's easy to be bold with y'all. It's easy for you to be bold right now. But tomorrow, and he's saying you need to, you'll be a good minister if you'll nourish them in the words of faith. If you teach this doctrine that says that we believe God and it is accounted to us for righteousness. How many of you believe God's going to take you to glory? Right? So you all believe that God's going to take you to a place you don't even know how to get to yourself. You're all totally confident of that. How are you with God providing for your Social Security? Totally good? Or your paycheck this week? If I don't do it, it won't get done? So we've got to trust God with every, every dot and tittle of our life. And tomorrow you're going to be pressed to demonstrate that. In little subtle ways. Little subtle ways like, uh, don't worry about that. They won't know you didn't do that. That's how you're pressed. You're going to be pressed every conceivable way to deny the faith. And the only way to stand is to stand on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, being nourished in His Word. And Paul is saying to Timothy, provide that. Guys, you want your children to be strong? Provide that. Men, you want your wives to be strong? Provide that. Wives, you want your husbands to be encouraged? Provide that. Let that be what you lay before them. Let that be what we hold to. Let that be the truth in our lives. If you're going to be nourished, I want you nourished on something that has eternal life. Because I have found every time I eat, in a little while, sometimes before I even leave the table, I'm hungry again. Especially if it's Chinese food. Like, did we eat? <laughs> I got to eat again. And I always have room for dessert, regardless of what we just eat, eat right? Get to sit down to Thanksgiving dinner, consume a whole turkey, right? 10 pounds of mashed potatoes, a bucket of stuffing, and all kinds of other ingredients. And then they roll out the pies. And it's like, oh yeah, let's start again. <laughs> Y'all laugh because that's what you do. And of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. So it's the words, faith and the good doctrine. Good teaching. Good teaching, I'm going to put it to you this way. There's countless teaching. We've got teachers here in this church that are strong. They try to be solid in their teaching. But I'm going to, put, I'm going to narrow good teaching down to this. If you want to know whether something's being is good teaching that you're receiving, ask yourself this question. Who is being glorified by this doctrine that's being given? Who is receiving the glory based on this teaching? If I practice the teaching that I'm hearing, who will be magnified? Who will be lifted up? Will God receive the glory if I practice this teaching, or will me or some other human receive it? Good doctrine glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. Even the Holy Spirit doesn't speak anything except to point you to Jesus Christ. That's what good doctrine does. And good doctrine 
is necessary for life and godliness. It's necessary for you and I to continue in this way. But good doctrine takes us to the throne. Good doctrine takes us to the crucified Lord. Good doctrine takes us to a resurrected Savior. Good doctrine takes us to faith in Him and trust in Him and hope in Him and patience in Him and rest in Him. Because everything else that is created, let's be honest, when you just, just talk about COVID because it's right here for us. After you get reports on COVID, are you more encouraged or less encouraged about your day? You're always less. Are you less fearful or more fearful after you hear reports about COVID? I'm always a little more fearful. When I hear any kind of news report that has anything to do with everything that's going on in our culture right now, I'm always more afraid. But that's the good doctrine of Jesus Christ takes us to a place of peace. It takes us to a place of comfort. It takes us to a place of encouragement. We firsthand know what it's like to lose loved ones. The good doctrine teaches us to have peace in the midst of it. Good doctrine gives us hope in the midst of a chaotic world. Good doctrine allows me to walk when the rest of the world is falling down. This is what good doctrine does. This is what Paul is saying to Timothy. This is what you need to be about, Timothy. That's why you're going to appoint elders. That's why you're going to have deacons. That's why you're going to have the sound word. That's why you're going to do this in charity, in a pure heart. How you're going to, you're going to love them and demonstrate this for them. This is what you're going to do, Timothy. He says in this verse, in the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. This cannot be a happenstance doctrine. Let me just be honest. This can't be this one hour here this morning. That's not enough doctrine. It's not enough Word of God. It's our entire life being consumed by this. It's an ongoing search for the truth in Jesus Christ all day, every day. Let me ask you this. If you ate only today, ate regular food, how would you be doing physically? Okay, this is, that's not a trick question. If you ate one meal a week, how would you be doing? I imagine we'd be doing more funerals. Well, if you only take this good doctrine one hour a week, what do you expect your life to be like? Not going to be much. Let's just be honest. Spiritually speaking, it's just not going to be there. And Paul is telling Timothy, lay this out. Make sure that it's always there. That's what we, we're trying to do here and always. Always this good doctrine because it's necessary. It builds your faith and it nourishes you and it brings you to a way of life that allows you to go out tomorrow. I had no idea, and neither do you, who's going to pass away today or tomorrow or next week. But I do know this, that if we do not hold to this sound doctrine, there are many who are going to pass away without this truth. Now, having said that, I also believe in the sovereignty of God and His eternal decrees and His election and all those kind of things. And I know, I know none of His people are going to be lost. But I also know what He says here in this passage, just a, a little further down in verse 10, For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach, 
because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. And some would say, well, what does all mean there? What men are we talking about there? And all this kind of, you know what? This is my answer. He is the Savior of all men. Jesus, who is the Christ, is the Savior of anybody who's ever been born in the flesh on this planet. He is the Savior from the day when God said, let, there be, let us make man in our image, to right this moment. Jesus is the Savior because there isn't another Savior. There's not a, any other way for men to be saved than but by Jesus Christ. There's not another name given under heaven where men might be saved. There isn't another Savior. So when people say, well, He's not... He is the Savior. And that in no way takes away from His eternal decrees, His election, His covenant people, none of that. Because He still is the Savior. And I would submit to you that the only reason you have come to Christ Jesus is because Christ graciously visited you and caused you to see your sinful condition, your wretchedness against the holy God, and granted you repentance to come to Him. He's the Savior of the whole world. Especially those who are being saved. Especially those who repent and believe. Especially those who trust and hold on to Him. Especially those. But because He is, we see and we strive. Paul said, I struggle with this. I labor against this. To make sure that this doctrine is the only thing we hold to. We can get caught in a lot of stuff, guys. Man, we can make church hard. We can make this hard. We can make it hard work and, and, and tedious and, and labor-intensive and, and just not what it's supposed to be because what it's supposed to be is worship and praise of the living God for delivering us. It's supposed to be rejoicing in what He's done for us. It's supposed to be exalting and exaltation of who He is. That's what it is. And then because of His tender mercies, we have sound doctrine here in His Word, revealed through His Spirit, delivered unto men. Thank God for godly men who have stood in our lives and who have taught these truths, for godly women who have stood there and saw that these doctrines were encouraged and strengthened, supported those men in their ministries. This is what we have. And Paul's reminding Timothy, you'll be a good minister if you stay to this. More than once I've asked myself whether or not I was a good minister. More than once I've had people tell me no. It's all right. Because the only definition here we see is in this text. A good minister of Jesus Christ ministers His Word. Not about me being a good administrator. Not about me being an excellent orator. It's not about those things about whether or not I established and maintained and presented the Word and faith and taught doctrine that would support you in all of your life. Because this doctrine is what supports you and I in this life. And we can rebel against it, we can fight against it, we can go our way and trust our own strength and to trust our, you know, whatever we have. Young men love to trust their strength. Right? I think one of the things that age comes on is and causes us to slow down and, and, and take a look and stop for a minute. My son-in-law is always trying to get me to get on his motorcycle, and all I can think of is when I fall off. <laughs> I'll still be laying there. <laughs> right? 
that the sound doctrine is what we build our life on. And Paul has reminded Timothy, this is what it takes to be a good servant. This is what we're to be about. And if you move down to verse 16, the other verse, he reminds Timothy. Because Timothy gets charged with being a young man in this passage. He gets, don't let them despise your youth. And I would say here at that point simply this. You could substitute anything in there about your own life at that point. Timothy's issue was youth. He was a young man. Now, in a Greek thinking, young could have been his 40 and under. So we don't really know how old he was. But nonetheless, he, he's, he's, he's worried about it because Paul addresses it. So he's thinking about my youth. And it could be some other thing that you might have that you struggle with. And God is simply saying this. Don't let them despise that because the enemy is going to talk to you about the thing you worry about. He's going to go after that thing. Don't let them despise that. But you be one who stays in these truths that I've taught. You, you stay in them. Don't neglect this gift that's been given to you. You stay attention to reading and exhortation and doctrine, which is simply read, preach, and teach. And he tells him why he needs to do this and why you and I need to do this and why I should do this. He tells us here in verse 16, Take heed to yourself. Now I'm here to tell you today that all of us probably ought to take heed to ourselves. Take a few moments and examine our life and ask just what it is I'm doing and how it is I'm going. Is my life day in and day out consistently trying, working to line up with the things of God? You need to take heed. Because it's appointed all men to die and then to judgment. One day for everybody, unless Christ returns and you meet Him that way, you're going to meet Him at the judgment seat. You and I are going to be there. I did a funeral Friday for somebody I'd never met. Had no idea about this person. And this is where I went, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I can tell you where they went. They went to the throne room of God. And there God meted out everything that He had for them. And all those who believe are meted out with reward. And those who didn't believe were meted out judgment. And I can tell you that they received every promise the Word of God has for them according to the truth of His Word. That's what's going to happen to all of us. And the question there is how you stand there. Have you taken heed to the sound doctrine that teaches us to repent and believe the gospel, to trust the Lord Jesus Christ with every aspect of our life, to continually give ourselves over to prayer and supplication, to continually trust, to continually spend time with God's people and be encouraged and strengthened through the brethren, the brothers and sisters that God has given us, to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh? Do I continually do those things? Am I taking heed of how I live this life that is the precious gift of God? One that's been quickened and made alive to serve Him. You've got to take heed. Because, you know what? I don't know when COVID's coming to your door. I don't know when their government's going to take over. I don't know when you're just going to pass away. Because I don't know what your time is. I just know you have one. I know I have one. And he says, take heed to yourself. And to the doctrine. It's always vital that you consider the teaching that you're getting. And not just to argue, have some opinion against it, but to actually have been studying yourself and understand what the Word of God says so that when you hear things, you can go, yea or nay, based on the Word of God, not based on your feelings. Let me just say this to you about your feelings. They will lead you astray. 
Your feelings will take you down the wrong road quick. Mine have. And they'll have you make, you know, what's that old joke about cash, writing checks the rest of your body can't cash? Well, that's what your feelings will do. It'll take you to places you don't want to do. We don't want to go by feelings. We want to go by the truth of His Word. And Paul's saying to Timothy, Timothy, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine that you've been teaching. Why does he say this to him? Look what he says at the end of this. Continue in them. You know what? Is it some days following the Word of God seem hard to you? Okay, let me be the example again. When this Bible says, love your enemy and do good to those who hate you and spitefully use you, that means that co-worker that you got tomorrow that's always a pain in your backside. That relative that just pushes you over the top. None of y'all have relatives like that, right? That church member who can test your moments. That never happens here. And the Bible says I'm supposed to love them. I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. I'm supposed to bear their burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. I'm supposed to do these things, and it's hard to do. Or maybe I have to stand up and say, this is a truth that needs to be taught, and I know you're going to be offended. I know you're going to be upset. You might get mad and leave. You may go around talking about me and cussing me and behind my back, and who knows what, but it still has to be done. And it's always done in love. Remember, Paul said that's the reason for the command, love. So he says we have to do this. So he says take heed and continue in these things. Why? For in doing this, look at this now, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. What? You mean to tell me my actions in the gospel have some impact on somebody else's life? Well, I thought it was, I didn't, you know, don't follow me, follow God. Oh, that's right, Paul said imitate me as I also imitate Christ. So you mean my actions in the gospel actually are going to impact people around me. So when you're putting up with that coworker or that person, and you're loving them anyway, and you're praising God in the midst of it, you're going, yeah, I'm trusting the Lord about the COVID and about everything else. I'm, I, and let me go ahead and say this. Let me say this while I'm thinking. I don't know where everybody's at on this business, especially when it comes to taking the vaccine. But I'm going to tell you what the Scripture says in Romans chapter 14. The scripture says, the man who eats meat does so to the Lord. And if he doesn't eat meat, he also does that to the Lord. So whether he eats meat or doesn't eat meat, he does it to the Lord. So whether you take the vaccine, I want you to know you better be taking it to the Lord. Not because you're afraid in the flesh, but because by faith that's what you're doing. And if you don't take the vaccine, it better be by faith. Not some arrogant resistance to some government thing. It needs to be by faith. I'm not doing it by faith. Because Paul said, whether you do or whether you don't, you do it to the Lord and you do it by faith. And each man is, is the servant of the Lord. He answers to the Lord himself on the subject. And I'm not trying to be political or tell people what to do on that thing, but I am telling you, whatever you do, you do it by faith. Because anything done without faith, according to the Scripture, is sin. And we all are submitted to the sovereign God who's in control of all of this. He is our trust. He is our hope. Paul said to Timothy, almost fell down on my own shoe, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you.
Imagine having that conversation with somebody about COVID. I'm doing this by faith. Whether I've done it or I didn't do it or however I'm approaching it, I'm doing it by faith, and I'm trusting God in this act. I'm going to go tomorrow and live my life at work by faith. I'm trusting God to work this out for me. I'm going to tend to my family by faith because this is what God would have me to do. I'm trusting Him to work this out. Paul is telling Timothy, if you'll teach this doctrine, these people will be nourished, they'll be encouraged, they'll be strengthened, and they'll be able to live the life that God has for them. And it will save them and save you. I don't know about you, but everybody I know, everybody I talk to, even lost people, like the idea of salvation. I haven't talked to any reasonably reasonable person who says, yeah, I can't wait to get in hell. That lake of fire, I can't wait. And the, isn't this the point? That the doctrine of Jesus Christ would be proclaimed and that people could hear it and people could get delivered from their sin and receive forgiveness and be made right before Him and enter into His presence with thanksgiving and to enjoy Him forever? Isn't that the point? And those of us who are here who are His, we rejoice by worshiping and praising Him. Isn't that the point? Isn't this why we do this? And Paul's telling Timothy, stay on the doctrine. Stay on the teaching. Stay in the truth of His Word because that is what will deliver you. Everything else will fail. Everything. Jesus will not fail. His Word is true and it's been given to you and I so that we might have life and life more abundantly. Right about now is where we say, and if you haven't, you need to call on the Lord. Well, you know what? You need to call on the Lord. If you're not trusting Him, you need to start trusting Him. Because if you're trusting anything else, I'm going to tell you, that's going to fall away. It's going to crumble like sand when the storm hits. It's going to blow away. It's going to be destroyed. And you're going to, your strength is going to fail you, and God's going to consume you with His, own, His wrath on that day. So you better have you trusting in Him. And the good news is, with His, when you trust Him, this thing builds every day. The more doctrine you stay in, the stronger you get in Him. The more equipped you become to stand against it. Because I have learned this about my enemy. He never wears out. He don't ever get tired. He comes back the same day. When he hits me today, I'm still trying to recover the next day. And he whacks on me again. He never backs up. He never stops. He keeps on after it. So I need to be strengthened and increased every day. And the only way I know is to stay in this Word. And that's what I'd encourage you to do. And if you don't know what I've been talking about, then you only have one recourse. You need to go to the Lord Jesus right now and ask Him to show Himself to you. And show Himself mighty against your weakness. Show Himself holy against your sinfulness. So show Himself great against your inabilities. That's the doctrine that we teach here. Jesus Christ manifest in the flesh. Walked this life sinless and perfect. Became the atoning sacrifice for your sins and mine placed in the grave, and rose again on the third day. Sitted, sitted, that's some good English. I'll take your class, Miss Tammy. Seated at the right hand of the Father now, making intercession for you and I and all those who come to Him so that they might believe by faith in Him as well. And we wait for His return, because one day He is. 
and all those who don't believe and all those who don't trust him and all those who don't hope in him will be consumed with the brightness of his appearing. He will destroy the wicked on that day. But those of us who remain will be raised up together with him. That's the doctrine that we hold to. That's what you need to hold to. That's what I want you to hold to. That's what the scripture is saying. And we're going to continue to try to teach that to the best of our ability. I love you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We give you the praise. We give you the honor. I pray I've conveyed what you wanted. For, again, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for all my foolishness in the process. Remove all of that stuff. Just encourage your people to stay in your word, your doctrine, your truth. Equip them with faith to stand against the day. And let them know that, uh, yes, all these things are going on. But Father, we pray for everybody who's been touched by this COVID. We ask your mercies on those who have lost loved ones to encourage their hearts. For those who are suffering right now, uh, I know one, Mr. Oz, he's, he's, this is just on him. We pray for your hand there. Father, we pray you keep it off of all of us. We pray that you don't let it come on us. We would graciously ask that you would keep it away. But more importantly than all of that, Father, give us the faith to stand in the midst of all of this. Because the world out there is lost and dying and they need to see a hope that we have that's greater than these current situations. And I rejoice for those who went on ahead. I miss my brother Carlos, but I'm so grateful for where he is. I'm so, I'm a little bit envious, Lord. He's enjoying it all. By his testimony, by your testimony in him, by the truth that we know from your word. And countless others are right there with us. Thank you so much for that. And Father, for anybody here today who's struggling in any of this, I pray that you reveal yourself to them. That you would strengthen them right now with your presence so that they would begin to trust you and stand on this sure doctrine, the doctrine of Jesus Christ. The Son of the living God. Equal with God in all ways. He is God. Our Savior, our Redeemer, our atoning sacrifice. My brother in glory. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.